the light of eternity. I'd like to begin a series that I've entitled The Light of Eternity. I'd like to start that series officially right now. And if I could get you all to just be patient, I'm not going to dump it all out in one session. I can't just turn it all over to you and let you run with it because I have a feeling there's obviously too much, but it would probably not be relatable and able to be operated on and utilized if I just gave you everything. But I'd really like to make this a series that is heavy leaning towards what heaven is going to be like. I want to preach on heaven for a while. And, and, and when you, you can't preach on heaven without making sure that most people know that, that it's not the only choice in eternity. There really is a hell. And I want this to become a point in our lives that not only does it drive our thinking, but it helps us to realize, wow, we don't have to go to hell. We can be saved and go to be in heaven. But today, listen, listen today, today, this is today's message. I am going to spend the time in this message today helping try to convince you that it's worth time spent studying about heaven and eternity before we even get there, okay? It's worth the time and effort spent because in time to come, I'd like to talk about the size of heaven, the location of heaven. I like to preach on that. I like to preach on who's there right now. I like to preach on what's there right now. I like to preach on the building process that's going on. As Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions I go to prepare. I want to preach about what's being prepared. I want to preach about the four square, the four square city. I want to preach about the glorious streets of gold, walls of jasper. But for today, I just feel like I need to rewind and make sure everybody understands that it is truly a lost topic in our world. He was a stranger, lost in the nether regions of a South American country. He stumbles into a village where he saw everyone, but no one saw him. He was like the villagers in every way. He looked like them. He could speak their language. But there was one vital difference. He could see, and they could not. In this H.G. Wells story, The Country of the Blind, this is what happened. A man with a vision, with very capable vision, happened upon a group who had long since lost their vision. Vision was no longer valued in that country. What was no longer valued was forgotten. And what is not used is lost. So today, just be prepared that once you and I really begin to grasp these items of thought and we get the revelation, as Brother Hammond mentioned earlier, the light shines in our hearts, we're probably going to be living in a world that is pretty blind and we've got to have the kind of compassion that says, I'm not satisfied to let them be lost without vision. I want to do my best to illuminate the world I live in. This is what it really means, everyone who grew up singing this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Has nothing to do with a candle. Has nothing to do with a flashlight. Everybody say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know what that means? There's a world of darkness around us that needs to hear that you have received sight, that you have received a vision, 
that you have a revelation of what God has waiting for those who love him. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So in this series, I want to speak about this lost vision. And can I just assure you, it's a vision that was once held very dearly by the early church. It was held by previous generations who saw beyond. They saw that great beyond that was yet ahead. Even in their triumph and tragedy, they knew this life is not about this life. It's all about heaven. So, Jesus asked the question, how do you see when he healed that blind man after praying for him? Remember that? Jesus said, how do you see? Well, that's what I want to ask you. How do you see? Do you have the light of eternity? And are you living your life in that vision? So together, let's open up this eternity idea, this concept, this process of, of thinking. And here's what I want to assure you. For the most part, we will not be speculating, but we're going to allow God's holy word to illuminate our imaginations and let us see before we even get there what we are excited and to find out what we're going to experience. But can I just, I just have to make this one point before we read our scripture in Colossians 3.1. Regardless of how high or fabulous that we paint eternity for you and that we paint heaven It really pales in comparison to what it really is, in essence. I don't want to miss heaven. And I am absolutely burdened today that I don't want anybody in this church to miss heaven. Those watching online, let's not miss heaven. Let's make heaven our home. And let's let this message and this series illuminate eternity for us in Jesus' name. Are you all ready for the light of eternity to begin? Here's a scripture that is absolutely foundational. Colossians 3.1 If ye then be risen with Christ. See, we're buried with Him in baptism. But we're raised with Him unto eternal life, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse number two. Would you please read that with me? Let's just limber up our voices. Read it with me. Set your affection on things above, not on the earth. Now read that again with this question in mind. Is it possible to be so heavenly minded I am of no earthly good? Did you hear what I just said, or are y'all just like ready to sit down? (laughs) Y'all hear that? Is it possible to be so heavenly minded I am of no earthly good? I really think somebody made that up from the depths of carnality. Because I would still like to meet somebody that's so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. I I don't know anybody. I guess I haven't lived long enough. But uh, I think most people are really earthly minded, worldly minded. And to talk about heaven is like, huh? What? You want to really talk about heaven? What do we need to talk about heaven for? That's today's message. I want to show you why we must set our affection on things above. Read it again. Set your affection on things above, 
For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Look around, tell your neighbor, you're dead if your life is hid with Christ in God. We are here among the living dead. Praise God. Welcome to the walking dead church. I didn't make that up. You, the Bible said, you are dead. Can I tell you that's the key to a victorious life is by being dead. You are dead if your life is hid with Christ in God. Now turn to your neighbor and say, your life must be hid with Christ in God. I didn't really mean that you're dead. Don't tell them you're a dead head, please. Don't say that. But your life is hid with Christ in God. Now watch verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Woo! Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> when Christ, who is... Okay, now let me just, let me just tell you all something on the sidebar. Brother Dan, I sent you my sermon notes. How many pages? 41 pages. So did y'all bring a lunch and a dinner and a backpack and a snack? And how about a, maybe we need a pillows. Folks, I'm not going to preach 41 pages today. I'm going to preach a few if I even know the Lord lets me. I'm going to follow the Spirit. But I just have to tell you before you sit down that this is what life really has got to boil down to is the fact that we are not living for this life. We're not living for that which is beneath or that which is below, but we're living for that which is above, those things that are above. We're going to set our affection on those things. So when Christ, who is our life, not if, but when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you, then boom, boom, there you are. The reappearing act, because you look around and you're dead. Your life is dead right now, but you want to reappear? I'm going to tell you when you're going to reappear. It's when Jesus Christ appears, and we shall also appear with him in glory. Now, now, do you all realize why we need to preach about heaven? That whole verse is like so many things. I want to make you want to ask questions and have a small group and discuss it. Well, today, in Jesus' name, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to get our eyes and our heart fixed on heaven and why we need to even have a series on heaven. Lord, let your blessing be upon this sanctuary. Let every heart be tender. Let there be receptivity. Lord, those who are dispassionate, I pray that you let it be meaningful and intentional because let them be suspending judgment until you give them revelation today. And Lord, I thank you for those who are impassioned. Lord Jesus, let our hearts be lived out in our voices in Jesus' name. Be with all those who are not here today who are watching online. Give them the ability to focus, really pay attention, and let us all give you the attention that you deserve, our undivided attention in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. You are welcome to take your seats. Hallelujah. I'm just a sucker when it comes to reading the Bible in multiple translations. I like to just spend time. I know, you could just read it in one translation and be done. But I don't like that most efficient method. I, I'm not efficient when it comes to what I, what I want to read in the Bible. I want to chew on it. And so if you want to chew on it, one, thing is, one fun thing is to turn in your attention to a paraphrase like the message and read the same verses we just read. 
And here's what it says. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. The Good News Bible, which we use mostly at our Southlands Bible study, says, you've been raised to life with Christ, so set your hearts on things that are in heaven. I love it. Set your hearts on things that are in heaven. So how many of you could say today you've set your heart on things that are in a bank somewhere? Raise your hand. You've set your heart on things that are in a retirement account somewhere. Anybody got your heart set on that? What are you setting your heart on? Is your heart set on an individual? Is your heart set on a spouse? Is your heart set on a date in the future? Is your heart set on a date in the past? <laughs> Is your heart set on a vehicle? Is your heart set on a plan? Is your heart set on goals? Is your heart set on becoming a business owner, a homeowner someday? I really want us to think about this. There are so much so many things that we can set our hearts on that will have nothing to do with the life we're living when we draw our final breath. Set your hearts on things that are in heaven. Keep your minds fixed on things there, not on things on the earth. For you have died. Your life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life in, is Christ. Your real life is Christ. Everybody say, my real life is Christ. My real life is Christ. Come on, say it again. My real life is Jesus. My real life is Jesus. And when he appears, then you too will appear with him and share his glory. Praise God. The light of eternity. The light of eternity. Now, I'm just going to do another quick little sidebar. I really feel like I, I need to say this, that like Brother Hammond said earlier, that when we talk about light, everybody say light. Light. When you say light, 99% of the time you say light, you're talking about electromagnetic radiation that is in the visible spectrum of electromagnetic radiation. Most of the time you talk about light, you're talking about that which is the opposite of darkness. And, and I'm, I'm just fascinated at how the eyes know the difference between light and dark. How many of you are so glad you have high-definition vision today? Even if you're wearing glasses, praise the Lord. If you're not wearing glasses, you praise, praise the Lord a little harder. Brother Don and I were just meeting with the Reach Out America representative. He was telling us about a a man who is a new missionary to Israel. And this man, when he was growing up, he was in his teenage years, he was with his father in a calf, uh, 
a meth lab, different than a cath lab. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Please get your words right. Meth lab. And his dad was mixing this methane, whatever meth drugs they were working on, and it exploded in the boy's face as a teenager, and he lost his vision. He cannot see with both eyes, but with one eye, listen to this, he has a glass eye on one side, and with the other side, he has half of his eyeball still there. And he can't see, but with that enough, that's enough of an eyeball to see if it's light or dark, but that's all. Wow. Does that make y'all appreciate being able to see me up here right now? Even though I know you don't love just looking up here, I know there's way more pretty people to look at than me, but isn't it really nice to be able to see? But isn't it fascinating that your eyes, without even realizing it, that's the most fundamental part of your vision is knowing what is light and what is dark. We, we observe light and dark before we even really observe shapes and colors and textures. But the power lies in the ability to know the difference in your eye to be able to distinguish between light and dark. I think that's just a fascinating concept. This guy's going to Israel, setting the woods on fire. He's an amazing man of God who is doing work among the blind in Israel, leading them to the truth of Jesus Christ out of the, out of the, uh, the monotheistic Jewish Orthodox religion. It's an amazing story, a great testimony. But he can't see. However, he has just enough vision to see if it's light or dark. Hmm. So, that kind of light is not what I'm here to talk about. When we talk about seeing in the light of eternity, we're talking about seeing in the light that is spoken of when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's the light of eternity we're talking about. See, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Do you realize before that there was, I believe, here's my personal opinion. We can ask the Lord in heaven. Maybe we can argue and make up real quick in heaven. We won't be making up anyway if we do argue, right? You think we might argue in heaven? I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to figure all that stuff out. But when we get there, we can find out the truth on this. But in my mind, I think, first day of creation, God said what? Let there be candy. Some people think that. No. Let there be light. And there was light. And the light separated from the darkness. Now, I personally don't think that it was electromagnetic radiation in the visible spectrum. It might have been. <laughs> but no humans were around to tell you. There was no human to even observe it. It was the fourth day that God created the stars, the moon, and the sun, and the heavenly bodies. And they emitted light, and I believe for sure that's when Light that we're seeing in this building today. We look out the windows, the beautiful leaded glass. That light, I believe that light was created. And here's the reason I believe that. Because humans didn't need the first light yet. They needed the second light. 
But the first light has always been light, regardless of darkness, even if you're in the darkest cave, even if you're in the darkest part of the ocean, down in the darkest depths, or wherever you may go, there is still light that is the light associated with the first day of creation. And here's what I'm seeing here, is that at the end of the whole Bible, we find out that there is a city, has no need of the sun has no need of moon and stars. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the light thereof. That's not, I don't believe that is necessarily a visual and, and an electromagnetic, spect, electromagnetic spectrum vision ability. I believe it's the light of revelation. I believe when Jesus said, when God Almighty said, let there be light, he was saying, let there be a reality that humans who are about to be created can really come into this world and see for themselves that I am the creator God and I'm the one who created light to start with. And they understand light of my revelation by understanding the light of electromagnetic radiation. Okay, y'all ready to have the announcements and altar call and go home? Is that enough? See? Little things like that, that can take a long time to just talk about that one tiny little piece of light. Everybody say, the light of eternity. It has nothing to do with visual, visual light. It has everything to do with spiritual light. Can we see? So, let me get to that in just a few moments. I'm going to come right back to that. And today's message is not going to be long in Jesus' name, it's going to be on point what God sees fit for you and for me and for all of us in Jesus' name. When Marco Polo, the famous explorer across Gondolia and, Mo and uh, Mongolia, when he returned to his hometown in Italy, he had just seen the court of Kublai Khan. His eyes had seen a country that almost no one knew about. Think about this. He didn't have an iPhone to take pictures of Kublai Khan. He didn't have a video camera. All he had was eyes. And when he got back home to Italy, where they barely even could believe that such existed, whew, he tried and tried to describe the world he had seen. He tried to describe the metropolitan area and the, the technology and the paintings and the beauty and the art and the politics and so forth. He tried to describe the world he had seen, and his audience just had to sit there and say, yes, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. They couldn't see because they had to go there. And some of them may never have gone there, so they had to simply believe Marco Polo's words and see what he had seen through his eyes. Now, can I just tell you right now, our view into the other world we're preaching about today does not come from pop stars. It doesn't come from pop psychology. It doesn't originate in the latest I've Been to Heaven book that hits the bookstore shelves. No, no, no. Can I tell you, it comes from the only reliable source we have in this matter, and that is God's holy word. The word of God can be depended on, and it can be trusted. And today, be aware that that is going to be the basis of our study. Now, a lot of people who look into God's word, and they're 
flipping through the pages for heaven. How many of you ever flipped through the pages to try to find heaven? First thing they see is, well, there's so many reasons why we should never examine our future. They say the Apostle Paul, he said, our eyes haven't seen. Our ears haven't heard that our minds can't conceive all that God has prepared for those who love him. So why study it, close the book, go back to our college class, go back to our job, go back to our family, live our lives without the vision of heaven. The problem with that kind of an argument is that Yes, they're reading 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9, as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Brother Junior, you have never seen it. I haven't seen it. It hasn't entered into my heart or my ears. My goodness. Brother Gladison, I don't know what it looks like personally with these pupils. I haven't heard the sounds of heaven with these ears. So, yeah, that's enough to leave me breathless and say, wow, no one with the physical eye has seen or no ear heard Well, I guess it's just too much. We might as well just not even go there. But that's not my attitude. Here's what my attitude is. Read a little bit further. (laughs) Yeah, keep reading a little bit further, and here's what you're going to find the Bible says in verse number 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Woo! If you have never had a reason to have the Holy Spirit, it's so you can get a glimpse of heaven on earth. So you can get a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven while you're living on earth. You can live in heaven's terms while you're still on earth because of the Holy Spirit. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For that Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? See, the spirit of God knows those things that men can never know. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, lowercase s, but the uppercase spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So you see, when I see somebody filled with the Holy Spirit, I see someone who can begin to live in the light of eternity because they can see, because they can't say any longer, no eye has seen, no ear heard. I have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is giving me a little glimpse into that which is yet to come, and the Spirit in me is a continuous 
continuous magnetic pull to that part of my eternity, that life that's coming that I haven't yet experienced. Did anybody notice when you receive the Holy Spirit, suddenly you receive the like, kind of like a, the north needle on a magnet? You kind of just start, instead of just spinning around and, and around a magnet, you know, a, 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 a compass with no magnet around or with, with all kinds of magnetic forces, it just spins in circles. It doesn't know which way to point, but there's something about being filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost suddenly, powerful that that true north becomes focused and where you used to live in circles and run around wondering which direction to go now we have a reason to point to true north we know where north is we know where heaven is suddenly there's an impetus suddenly there's an inclination suddenly there's a calling suddenly there's a desire and suddenly we realize oh my goodness this is not all there is there's more. This is a little taste. It's an earnest, it's a down payment of my inheritance in heaven. Some people argue, well, don't, don't you know the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord? So why bother? Would you just read on? That's found in Deuteronomy 29, by the way, verse 29, secret things belong to the Lord, yes. But those things which are revealed belong to us. So you see, are you ready to step into the country of the blind and be those who say, that's them, we're us. And we're not satisfied to see them stay blind if we can do something about it. There's a difference between us who can see and those who cannot see. Please never let anybody make you think that we're just blended in to the world. No, no, no. If we blend into the world, we've lost our salty savor and our light is extinguished. So in Jesus' name, we say, God, we're going to let the light shine in our hearts. And we, Lord God, are going to be your people who have that revelation that changes everything about us. Things revealed belong to me. Everybody say they belong to me. So I really believe that God has chosen to reveal heaven to us. And that must mean it belongs to us. And it belongs to our future generations. Now there's another argument that says, it's just too hard to understand. And people like that, they get caught up in Ezekiel's vision as he gropes for words and reference points to try to describe what he is seeing. They say... <clears throat> it's easier just to stay practical. Let's stay away from the ethereal. Oh, no, 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 no. I want somebody here to get hungry for the things we can't see. Oh, but I say, I say the hope of heaven is one of the most practical things we can possess. The hope of heaven. Anybody hear what I'm saying here today? This is why we need to study about eternity and understand that this life cheats you out if you're not careful of knowing what's to come and not being prepared for what's to come if you don't stop and we don't stop and focus on eternity. Let's not be like those who get caught up in that argument, but let's join those who say, Lord, what does the Bible say about heaven? It calls heaven an anchor. And I tell you, these troubling times, there's never been need for an anchor like there is today. Oh, God, we need an anchor. 
God, we need an anchor. God, we need true north to pull the needle forward. God, we need, we need an anchor. And the Bible tells us the beautiful scripture says, we who have fled for refuge lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us. Who's already there? The forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever. Can anybody feel that? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the anchor we have. Thank you for the anchor we have, Lord. I'm so glad this world is not my home, and I have that knowledge today. How many of you have almost fallen completely, just fallen on your face thinking this world is really your home? And you realize that it's such a mistake because this world has no home qualities to it. But when you get and fall in love with Jesus Christ and you get the understanding that there's another world out there, it makes you want to lay hold on an anchor. There's an anchor. You know what an anchor does? An anchor touches a place you can't see yet with your physical eyes, but you have the assurance that it's literally doing its job. It's holding a point that will never let go. That's what heaven has got to be to me, and heaven has got to be to you. God, don't ever let me lose my desire to understand what's at the anchor point. Hallelujah. If you can see your anchor, most likely you really don't need it. Speaking of nautical in a nautical way, you drop an anchor from a ship, you're not watching to make sure that anchor and watch where it goes and make sure it's... In. No, you let it go and you tug on it when it grabs hold. And when it grabs hold, the wind can blow, storms may lash, floods may rise, differences may come, conflicts arise, pandemics come and they go, trust me. Friendships come and go. Relationships might even come and go. Hearts are mended and then broken and then broken and then mended. But through it all, we have an anchor to the soul. Can I tell you, God is a God who says, I want my people to not be in a quandary. I don't want them to be running around dispassionate and running around disillusioned and running around without a knowledge of where they're going. I want to give them a reason to study me on earth. A few others quote God's word that says, sorry, pastor, I don't think we can really understand it because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Remember, as high as the heaven is above the earth. But can I just tell you, if we're going to talk about God's thoughts, that's what I want to meditate on, God's thoughts. And as a matter of fact, if I'm going to study something, I want to study God's thoughts. You know, I I want God's thoughts to be appropriated into my life somehow. Did you know that can happen to you? God's thoughts can become your way of life by meditating on them. Here's why. Here's how. When you think on his thoughts, you begin to see through his eyes and you gain perspective and revelation. There it is again. We push beyond the veil of self. God Almighty knows we need to push beyond the veil of selfishness. 
closure, silos. Coming to church, it's possible to come with after this pandemic with a guards way up high, like we're like living in a silo. And we just want to like walk like this around each other and like, okay, six feet. <clears throat> we got to push through the veil, push through the curtain of carnality and start being the kind of church that God wants us to be. And here's how, by gaining a glimpse of another country, a forgotten country. So I have to tell you here, I'm just going to wrap this message up thinking about with you a situation that happened in Switzerland on a, on a missions trip, my son and I. We <clears throat> landed in Switzerland. We were going to go on a ski trip with some preachers, and so we're so excited to be in the Swiss Alps skiing. And so we lugged our gear, made the effort, and got there. First day we got there, we woke up and we could see clouds outside our, our chalet where we were staying. And down in the valley was completely obscured, but we could see across the clouds, we could see the glorious snow-capped peaks of the Swiss Alps. My goodness, what an inspiring sight. But what, we got so excited. We got our ski gear together and we got our coats on and our masks, our goggles, we got on our, our gloves and boots and we grabbed our skis and we started down the hill and we didn't realize for a little while what we were doing, but we were walking down into a place that was completely shrouded in fog. <laughs> we're like, wow, we can hardly even see to get on the, the lift. We can hardly even see where we're at. Well, we kind of huddled together, got together, and got on a lift, and we rode, and the lift raised us back up out of the cloud. And wow, here we are in the beautiful blue sky again. But lo and behold, you don't stay there when you're skiing. You obviously go a direction, and it's down. So we started slipping down, entered the fog, not thinking a lot about what was coming until suddenly we realized we had no idea where we were and no idea where the cliffs were and the trees were. Couldn't see the tip of my skis. It was so shrouded in fog. It was like nighttime almost. <coughs> Remember that, Don? And I was like, hey, Don, can you hear me? He's like, yeah, I can hear you. I said, man, don't go too far away. Well, he didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to go. We didn't know what was there. We'd never been there before. We're just sliding down a hill. Imagine how it feels to slide down a hill in the dark. Right? The voices of our party grows fainter and fainter, and, and, and he, his voice gets fainter and fainter, fainter for me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm all alone. One of our party, we found out later, did crash off of about an 8- or 10-foot cliff crashed down into the snow. He didn't see. Couldn't see where he was going. But in the middle of that deep, dense fog where I couldn't see, and I was trying to go slow so I wouldn't kill myself, I started feeling a longing in my spirit. 
I had a longing to get back where I could see. I had a longing to get to be back with my group. I had a longing to get back with my son. And I had a longing to get out of this murky place where there was no vision. And in the middle of that fearsome time, suddenly I started hearing overhead voices. And I realized, (coughs) that's a ski lift overhead. And people are riding along just having a nice conversation. In the middle of my horror, they're having a happy day. As I was listening, I looked up and I realized I could barely, through the, through, the, through the cloud, I could make out the sun on the other side and I could see the lines of the ski lift, the, the cable. And I realized, oh, thank God, there's at least something that's stable I can watch. I can keep my eye on. And sure enough, that comfort coming from above gave me hope in the beneath. And I was able to just slowly make my way back down where I could made a few bumps, went over a few unexpected little rises, but I finally got back down where I could hear more voices. And as I heard more voices, I realized my son's voice was there. And I skied right into where they were, and we were so happy to be together. But can I just tell you the whole reason I told you that is because this. Sometimes we are raised thinking that life is just going to be all rosy and clear skies. But the truth is, there is darkness, (coughs) there is fog, there is obscurity, there is a life that is truly it's unable, we're unable to really see. That's why I'm preaching about the sight of heaven. Because to lose sight of heaven is to lose sight of the Lord, church. I'm that convinced about us needing to study this. We must adopt the reality of what only comes by revelation. How about this? We learn to look up. We learn to realize there's something above that is stable, that is assured, that will guide us. Folks, when we're left on our own, we'll be unable to come home. Left on our own, we'll be unable to come back to where the Lord calls us to be. When the Bible says, set your affections, that's the Greek word, zetio, which means man's general philosophical search or quest. The same word is used for the woman searching for a lost coin, her affection. That's used of the shepherd looking for a lost sheep, his affection. It's used of a merchant looking for a pearl of great price, his affection. You see, it's a diligent, active, single-minded investigation. Folks, it's not something that is one and done. It's not today and gone tomorrow. Set your affection means keep seeking things above. Keep seeking heaven. It doesn't mean, think about it at the new year. Think about it during church. Oh, think about it during funerals. It's easier to talk about it during funerals, isn't it? Because we really hope everybody's in heaven. But in the meantime, we're like so distracted by nine to five, punching the clock, so distracted by bills, so distracted by cares of life, 
Can I get you, can I invite you right now today to begin to join me in this process and let's say, God, I want to let my lifetime begin today seeking heaven like never before, preparing for it, looking for it, anticipating it, knowing that it is there and it is not a fabrication. There is a home called heaven, and I want to go there. I will be in heaven. In Jesus' name, I shall make it to heaven. Now, if you don't know what heaven looks like, come on, just rewind a little bit and say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Spirit gives us vision. I'm just wondering here today, everybody who has a vision because you have the Spirit, Would you just help me start giving the Lord a little bit of heavenly praise in the middle of this earthly service? I think somebody ought to say, God Almighty, I'm sick and tired of being shackled to this earth, bound down to the things of this world. God, I want to be anchored to heaven, not anchored to earth, Lord. I don't want to be anchored to my job. I don't want to be anchored to the family. I don't want to be anchored to the things in this. I don't want to be anchored to an address, Lord. God, let my anchor be in heaven. Lord Jesus, let my hope be set upon heaven. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. See there? This is what I'm trying to do here today. I want us to see beyond. I want us to see beyond. I don't know if you've ever heard the story. 1952, long time ago, Somebody named Florence Chadwick stepped in the icy waters of the Pacific Ocean just off of the mainland of Catalina Island in California. She had already mastered the English Channel, swam it both ways. But speaking of fog, she stepped into the icy waters at Catalina Island and she just had a few just a few yards, 100 yards she had to swim to get back to the coast of California. The problem is the weather was foggy and chilly. She could barely see the boats. She was shrouded in fog. But you know what she did? She swam for 15 hours. Finally, she stopped. In the fog, she, she, she gave up and said, please, Get me out of the water. So her mother came up in a boat alongside and said, Florence, you are very close. You are very, very close to making it. You can do this, honey, just a little bit more. But Florence Shadwick, she said, no, I'm giving up. They pulled her out of the water, and to her dismay, she was a mere few yards away from the shore. And it was at the conference the next day, they were asking her, why did you give up so close? She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. God, God, I want to see the shore. Can somebody join me and say, God, I want to see the shore. God, I want to see the shores of heaven. This is way too late for anybody to give up and say no more. 
This is far too, far too gone, far too light. Much of life has been lived, church. You and I are so close. I believe the coming of the Lord is at hand, and there's nothing I would rather be preaching than the rapture of the church, than heaven that is yet to be gained. I could never imagine preaching anything besides the fact that we have got to make heaven our home, and let's be sure that we're doing everything we can right here, right now, because this is the final stretch. I want to assure you, you've got to say, God, clear the fog in my mind. Fear the Clear the fog of the pandemic. Clear the fog of war. God, clear the fog that has disturbed and confused me. God, I pray that you'll give me a vision of what really is real. I don't want to just see the mist of the life around me. God, I want to see what I'm really living for. I want to help everybody in this congregation remember this forgotten country. Let's set our affections on heaven in Jesus' name. And when he comes, we will appear with him in glory. And it will be worth it all. I said it will be worth it all. Can you say it with me right now? It will be worth it all. Hallelujah. I feel it in my spirit right now. This is a time for us to pray for the Lord to give us Holy Spirit vision. I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. You let the Holy Spirit grow cold in you, suddenly the mist of the fog is too much to overcome. And you give up and you walk away. God, don't let the Holy Spirit become something that's at a distance. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. So today, I'm going to invite you at the close of today's message to be sure that you are Holy Ghost filled, that you're 100% spirit filled so that you have the light of eternity to begin shining upon this topic throughout the next few weeks. I know we got a couple of weeks until I'm preaching because next week we have a great guest speaker and the week after that another one. But in the meantime, let's be thinking about heaven, praying about heaven. Be Let our focus be on eternity. God, this new year, 2022, let this be the year of the coming of the Lord and find me watching and waiting, but most importantly, find me filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the things of God. Because the Bible says if anyone does not have the Spirit, they are not even a possession of His. God, I want to be full of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody starting to feel a little longing in your Holy Ghost Spirit? Maybe you don't have the Holy Ghost, but you still feel a little longing in your, in your soul. Would you join me? Let's bow our heads together right now and pray for God to let the words of this message begin to find a root for there to be foundation that is gained in this concept, in this message preached, this revelation in Jesus' name.